You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Sort of protective tape or wrap on that thumb next time we see Rodgers. Third and goal. Prescott stands in, delivers, and it's intercepted in the end zone. Rudy Ford has a convoy. Rudy Ford with a huge play for Green Bay. Interception as a backer, and it comes in the end zone at a big time. All right, what's up, gang? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You'd like to text the show, you can send a text message to 865-658. 5824. We were going to launch the uh, second episode of Jaden Reed's Chalk Talk, right? Where we were going to break down the remaining plays uh, from where I basically put a, a huge cut up together of his 2021 tape. But instead, we had OTAs uh, yesterday. For those of you who are listening to this, obviously it's Thursday afternoon, probably around noontime is when it drops. So uh, we just wanted to kind of dive into some of Wednesday's OTAs. And there was some good stuff that come out of there. There really was. I mean, you know, we heard a lot of people talking about, you know, uh, Romeo Dobbs having a big day. We uh, we heard about some inconsistencies with Jordan Love. We also heard about him, uh, you know, catching a little bit of a hot streak during that practice. Um, you know, just uh, several things across the board. So I thought let's hit pause on that, that other Jaden Reed chalk talk and let's kind of take advantage of the fact that we're in OTAs and just give you my take on uh, on some of the stuff that was said and um yeah just kind of uh, a little update if you will you know i heard michael lombardi talking about this the other day uh femi abemafe his uh co-host for the gm shuffle you know said we're about to hit this dark time this dark period right and he cut him off um i believe it was on the gm shuffle it may have been another interview or another show but lombardi cut him off and was like i don't see it that way at all because as summer gets cranked up football is just as much about summer as it is the fall. And and some of you guys are going, whatever, Clayton, but that's kind of how I see it too. You know, I, I told you the, you guys this in the past that, you know, when we got out of school for the summer, when I was a kid, I was already thinking ahead to football. We were already, you know, training camps right around the corner. And, and you hear, you hear people all the time talk about, you know, especially right now on Twitter, there's a hundred days, 99 days, whatever it is until football. To me, it's a lot less than that. I mean, when you really think about it, gang, it's it's right around the corner. You know, we're going to get through another OTA, I believe, uh, two weeks from now, maybe a week, week and a half away. There'll be another OTA, and they're going to take roughly a month off, and then it's training camp. And to me, that's when football season starts. I get excited about preseason games. I'm not the person like, you know, I got so irritated last year uh, watching some of the the local media guys there um, in Green Bay, and, and it, it really the national guys as well. Was like I'm just so tired of preseason. I just you know let's just get. I wish they just skip preseason. It's such a waste. It seems like everything's a waste of time to these people. Like it's a waste of time to to do mock drafts. It's a waste of time to talk about you know the potential uh, draft day trades. It's a waste of time to 
talk about what a player might be if they're outside of the first round because you know we've never seen anyone have a great career coming out of the you know you know after the first round being drafted after the first round it just cracks me up they're just it's just constant negativity and then it's well training camp really don't matter ain't the training camp it used to be and then it's well preseason's just it's boring it's not real football and then you get into the season and it's like that's not even enough drama for them. <laughs> they they've then got to try to stir other things up and it I don't I don't want to come across like I don't want the pod to be anti-media. I don't. But they make it so daggone easy, man. Because it's it's just always something that they're bickering about constantly. You know, I heard some guys arguing earlier today on a pod, and I won't mention the names, but they were going back and forth, and one was saying that the next the next uh what he say the next important date for Packers uh, football will be the draft, right? Like basically saying the season doesn't even matter. Okay. And the other guy went on this huge rant arguing with him talking about that's ridiculous that you would say that that's ridiculous. You would say, but that same guy has already said the Packers will not make the playoffs. So it's like, you're, you're basically giving him all the ammo he needs to not look forward to the season. And, the, and to be honest with you, the first guy was being kind of sarcastic and rubbing his nose in a little bit. Like, you're the one that's saying they're going to suck this year. You're the one that's saying don't expect anything from Jordan Love. Don't expect them to have any kind of success. And then when I turn around and say, well, I guess the next, uh, you know, the next important date we've got is the, uh, the NFL draft next April, you get mad and say, oh, no, there's going to be all kinds of important dates this, this entire season. Like, you can't have it both ways. You know, it, we just talk too much. That's what it comes down to as I'm talking into a microphone, right? But the same thing happened last season. It's all season long, all you heard was this team would be better off without Aaron Rodgers. And then Aaron Rodgers gets traded, and now the win total prediction is seven games. And all of a sudden, everybody's, you know, it, it's – now it's it's a big deal again, right? And I, I don't know, man. It's just like people were just talking in circles. It it blows my mind. It does. And uh, you're getting a little bit of that on Packernet After Dark as well. You know, people, some folks calling in. Um, and I, I got to be real with you guys. Um, probably shouldn't even say this, but I'm going to say it. Um, and I haven't talked to Ryan about this, but some of the calls that came into Packernet After Dark, um, I just want to say kudos to Ryan because he handled them very, very professionally. Um, it's a good thing I wasn't answering a couple of those calls because, like Ryan said, he doesn't have to do that pod. And and at times it can be a grind from a sense of, hey, look, I don't want to – I don't want to have to – I don't want to have to feel this way towards doing a podcast, but sometimes, you know, man, it – Dude, especially in the offseason gang, it's it's hard. It's hard to to come up with content and it's hard to try to see everybody's angle and 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 you know, especially with somebody, you know, like Ryan having children. Like, come on, dude. You got a family to take care of and and all these other responsibilities. And and it's funny if I don't I don't even know if Ryan listens to my show consistently or not. Um, if he's smart, he probably wouldn't. <laughs> but I guarantee you. If he's hearing my voice right now, he's probably going, shut up, Clayton. Don't even bring it up. Just shut up. Move on. Because that's just how Ryan is. I'm a big boy. I could take care of it myself, and it ain't that big of a deal. But I don't know, man. It just – 
I'm very thankful that we have Packernet After Dark because it's an opportunity to hear from you guys and gals. And to me, and I know Ryan agrees, that's the most important aspect of the entire network. It's, it's going to be the most important aspect moving forward. And that's the whole reason that he took the time to come up with this format and give you guys an opportunity to get your voices heard. I mean, you got one or two people that just want to call in and, and tell him how he should run his show and tell him how he's wrong on something. Not, hey, I disagree with you there, but literally just like, oh, no, you're just you're just in the wrong here. Yeah, I don't know, man. It puts a black eye, black eye on uh, on a lot of other – all the other callers, really. And uh, like I said, I just want to say kudos to him for – for uh, being professional around some of those, because there there was a couple that were that were very condescending, and it's like, man, I would not have handled that that well. <laughs> I really wouldn't have. But again, he wants everyone to call in, continue to call in, and give your opinion, right? But um, I mean, it's funny. I sent him a text message yesterday, and uh, and I said to him, "Hey, man, I love Packernet After Dark because." The way, the way it's fallen into place now that we had to can all those calls where everything got backlogged and the information just wouldn't have been as important. And, and again, he, he handled it the perfect way by saying, hey, look, just call back in. Call back in with it, you know. And then you call back in, you don't even know what it was you were going to – what it was you talked about, but yet it's important enough that you're going to get mad that he didn't go back and listen to that one one call that you know was now probably over a month old, right? Um, I don't know, man. We just need to be be more appreciative of each other and uh, and stop trying to tell everyone else how to handle their business. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. I imagine I would feel the same way if someone if if Ryan reached out to one of you guys and said, "Hey, you should be doing this different." He doesn't tell people how to fan, you know. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Maybe there's too much rambling there, but, uh, it definitely wasn't in my show notes to hit on that. I promise you that, uh, it's just something that was at the forefront of my mind and it kind of, kind of hurt me a little bit because, um, I don't know, man, we just need to be more appreciative of each other and don't take for granted that, that he takes time away from his family to, to do that call in show. I know I don't. And there's been many times that just hearing your all's voices uh, on that call-in show has really got me through a rough day or got me through a rough patch. I love it. It's my favorite podcast. It's the first thing I download every day because I got a lot of respect for Ryan. And I also love hearing from you guys because 90% of the calls are awesome. You know, it's just the one or two that that think they have the right to to say that, you know, this caller shouldn't call in or you should just avoid his calls because you disagree with him. Come on, man. That's an echo chamber. God knows we got enough of those in this world right now. You know, be a voice, not an echo, right? Albert Einstein. So let's do this. Let's talk about the OTAs. Um, first things first, Matt Schneidman sent a tweet out here. And he said, starting O-line in positional drills, left tackle David Bakhtiari, left guard Elton Jenkins, center Josh Myers, right guard John Runyon Jr., right tackle Zach Tom. Kind of caught me off guard. However, we know when it comes to OTAs, nothing's set in stone there, right? They're intentionally, you know, rotating guys. They're trying people out at different positions. And we'll talk about that in a little more detail here in a second. We'll actually hear from the coach talking about it. But Zach Tom at right tackle, you guys know that's – that's my personal choice. 
if if you're not going to have Zach Tom compete, and I'm not suggesting they aren't, this is very, very early in the OTA process, if you're not going to have Zach Tom compete for starting center to try to upgrade that position, and, you're, and, and the only choice, and again, I'm not suggesting this, I'm just, you know, kind of play along with me here. If the only choice for Zach Tom is to beat Yash uh, Nyman out for right tackle, then in my opinion, I would rather have Zach Tom out there so he can get better week in and week out, right? The way I see that right now, if 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 Zach Tom's only chance for starting, barring any injuries, is to play right tackle, then that makes Yash Nyman a progress stopper in Bill Parcells' eyes, right? And the problem is you've got over $4 million invested in him, which isn't a huge chunk of change, but it's significant. Um, you almost feel obligated to start him there. It was almost like an insurance policy for the offensive line. If Zach Tom beats him out, then, hey, it is what it is, and you've got you know a, a solid backup at right tackle in Yash, and unfortunately you got that money on the bench because, guys, you got to understand the, the overall goal – is you want the majority of the money that you're paying out in salary cap hit. You want that between the lines. You want that on the field. You don't want it on the bench, right? And that's why they're continuing to try to force Darnell Savage into this starting row. I, I personally think that if, if you know, hindsight being 2020, obviously, if they had it, an opportunity to do over and they knew they were going to get Jonathan Owens, they knew they were going to get Tarvarius Moore, they knew they were going to bring back Rudy Ford, all of those questions, right, being answered up front, they probably would not have hit Darnell Savage with that fifth-year option, right? So, um, but again, when it comes to offensive line, I would prefer Zach Tom at right tackle if you're not going to let him compete for center. I'm hoping they do let him compete for center, though. But let's do this. Let's hear what Coach LaFleur had to say about it. I actually shared this on Twitter. Hopefully you can hear it okay. But let's see what he had to say on the whole offensive line rotational aspect, uh, you know, as far as OTAs go of a timeline on your offensive line. We know what you have on the left side, but whether it's center, right guard, or right tackle, it looks like you want to give a lot of competition opportunities. You want to carry that all the way through a good chunk of training camp? Yeah, I would say so. I think it's, and, and we do that naturally anyways. We always are kind of cross-training these guys that, you know, whether they're a tackle, kicking them into guard, and if they're a guard, maybe moving them down to center. So um, that's just part of our process, and it's it's, helped us out, I would say, because we've had a, um, a lot of different combinations, especially last year up front, and um, it's just part of how we train those guys. All right, so basically LaFleur just saying, hey, look, you know, this, is, this isn't nothing new. This is something that we, we do, you know, every offseason since he's been here. You're wanting to, quote-unquote, cross-train these offensive linemen, right? You want to see who can play where and – and all that, you know, there was another note that came out of OTAs where they were putting Sean Ryan in at center, and that one kind of caught me off guard, right? But what it also tells me is they're trying to find a spot for Sean Ryan on this roster, right? You know, they're 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 going to try him any and everywhere to say, hey, can he play here? Can he play there? That that draft pick was a little bit rough to, you know, it was a tough pill to swallow. Um, I know some people were really, really excited about the Sean Ryan pick. You don't hear from them now. That's hilarious how that works. Ironically, it's the same people that were saying Christian Watson was a bust right before he broke out. They don't mention that they called him a bust anymore. <laughs> but that is what it is. Um, you know, we've all been guilty of that, I guess. I know I know, I have. I've de I definitely have been guilty of, uh, of that. I try to own up to the things I get wrong, right? 
Um, we're all wrong at some point or another. You know, like I always say, I'm married. I'm wrong all the time, <laughs> right? Um, but you know, it's uh, it, it's it's correcting that mistake and saying, "Hey, look, yeah, I got that one wrong." It's amazing how so many people they think when they get something wrong, and this goes for sports or anything, uh, that people are gonna hate them because they admit to making a mistake. When in all honesty, if anything, it makes people gravitate towards you because you come across as someone who's, uh, you know, relatable, someone that's likable, someone that's, hey, uh, man, he, he's willing to admit he screwed up. I don't have to put up this facade like I'm I'm this, you know, fan of perfection, right? And I never get any of my guesses wrong, any of my predictions wrong. And that's all they are. You know, that's all 90% of sports talk is, is, is us bouncing ideas off each other. Um, but again, when it comes to the, the offensive line aspect, that's what they're doing. They're, they're kind of doing this cross training, um, and, and, and putting as much stress and pressure on each of these offensive linemen to see what they can handle at each position. So again, the big notes that come out of there, um, you know, Zach Tom lining up in those positional drills as a starting right tackle, you know, it may not mean anything at all, but also Sean Ryan getting a few snaps at backup center. Um, them just trying to find something there. But it, it does kind of feel like at this point they're reaching a little bit on Sean Ryan. You know, as a third-round pick, you'd like to see him come in and just take over that right guard spot. Obviously, struggled in camp and then get suspended for the uh, the banned substance use. And uh, luckily, John Ryan stepped in there – or I'm sorry, John Runyon stepped in there and, uh, and filled those shoes really, really well in the pass-blocking game. Unfortunately, he struggled in the run-blocking game. But uh, let's do this. Let's move on to the next tweet. And this one came in. They said Devontae Wyatt dropped out early in practice and did not return. Um, that kind of uh, got my attention a little bit. Like, okay, what was that about? Which you're going to have that a lot with OTAs and training camp, obviously. You're going to have people uh, going in and out with little minor tweaks, things like that. Um, you kind of seen that with Quay, right? And, and Quay ended up coming back. Um, to the best of my understanding, he actually practiced yesterday. So Quay seems to be okay. He seems to be healthy. In the same tweet, it also says Romeo Dobbs caught four of Jordan Love's seven completions for 42 yards during the two-minute drills. So that seems to be someone that Love is looking for is Romeo Dobbs. That's great. Um, the uh, top four cornerbacks were all missing. Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas, and Nixon were not present while Stokes' rehab continued. So to the best of my understanding – Jair Alexander, Russell Douglas, and Keyshawn Nixon were not at OTAs. And then uh, obviously Stokes is rehabbing. So you got to kind of let's let's kind of unpack that entire tweet there. All right. Romeo Dobbs getting a ton of opportunities, especially in the two minute drill. You know, uh, if you guys remember Jordan Love's personal coach, his uh, his quarterback coach, the guy who's been training him, his name escapes me right now. I've played several of his sound bots of him talking about Jordan Love, uh, played them right here on this pod. Um, but his personal coach is actually working with Romeo Dobbs as well. And I remember earlier this year, he said that Romeo Dobbs had put on, I believe he said about 10 pounds of muscle. So it's something that Romeo Dobbs is taking serious, but you've got that connection there with personal coaches, trainers between Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs. They also obviously have some kind of natural connection there, just like Love kind of does with uh, Watson, which you've seen in Philly. Um, you know, he wasn't afraid to, to go to Watson early there when he came in and filled in for uh, for Aaron. So um, Dobbs, it sounds like, again, it's early, but OTAs, he's flashing a little bit again. You've seen it last year. And, and he came out again. You know, I wasn't as impressed with Romeo Dobbs as, as most. I, I feel very confident saying that. But 
as a rookie to contribute the way he did, that is definitely something to build off of. You know, obviously the PFF grade suggests he didn't have as good a season as some might think he did. Um, he has some drops issues, try to work through those. Um, you know, a little bit of ball security issue. I mean, he was raw. He was a later round pick. But I think this is good news here, and I, I loved hearing that from uh, from Jordan Love's uh, personal coach there earlier in the year too. So the next note with that tweet, the top four cornerbacks are missing. Jair Alexander, Russell Douglas, Keyshawn Nixon, and obviously Stokes is rehabbing. This one kind of bothers me. Um, and uh, I don't want to throw a hot take out here. You guys know that's not how I run this pod. Um, I'm not one to try to get the shock factor of, hey, how do you – but, you know, Jair Alexander not being at OTAs, right? I think y'all know where I'm getting ready to go with this. <laughs> when it, when Aaron Rodgers missed OTAs, he's the most selfish human being in the world. Well, it would be different if they didn't give him that big contract. They gave him that big contract and he can't even come in OTAs. They gave Jair Alexander a big contract too. He's not in OTAs. Gave Russell Douglas, you know, um, he, he got his contract extension, right? He's not in OTAs. Where's the uh, where's the outcrying for that, right? Um, I don't say that to say we should be bashing Jair Alexander or Russell Douglas. I say that because my stance this entire time has been the same and will always be the same. These are voluntary workouts, voluntary, okay? Now, there is money attached. I think they said, if I remember correctly, Jair Alexander forfeited 700000 I believe that was the number. It sounds very high, <clears throat> but I think that was it. I don't have a tab open to where I can pull that up and make sure. So they're forfeiting money, but again, these are voluntary, and they're, I'm not going to hold that over a player's head, you know? They miss training camp or voluntary mini camp. That's a whole different ball game. That's like, hey, look, dude, you knew we agreed on this, but the fact that this is voluntary, I'm going to treat this the same exact way I treated it when Aaron missed, when Devontae Adams missed, when the whole wide receiver room missed. Was it last year or the year before? Right? It's voluntary. But it just it's going to say if you were one pounding the table, not you, but you know people out there, and we know there were plenty of them that were pounding the table talking about how, how so wrong that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and um, Alan Lazard and on and on and on were missing OTAs. Why ain't you pounding the table right now that that uh, Jair Alexander and Russell Douglas ain't there? You know? I don't know, man. Just kind of – that kind of irks me a little bit. You know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If we're going to hold this opinion that, hey, every single freak in Green Bay Packer needs to be at OTAs, then every single freak in Green Bay Packer needs to be at OTAs. Don't just pick and choose, you know. Um, it bothers me. It's embarrassing is what it is. It's uh, And that's that's what I've been noticing a lot, you know, from from a very minute amount of the fan base, and I know it's definitely not our listeners, um, just out there on Twitter making complete jackasses of themselves, uh, you know, running around with, a, you know, just, <laughs> just saying anything that comes right off the top of the head of, you know, hey, Here's an opportunity to bash one of the greatest players to ever play in franchise history. Who don't we will welcome him back and retire his number. But right now, boy, they're they're doing as many laps as they can to try to make uh, make a mockery of him and the fact that he's somewhere else, which still blows my mind. He's not even a Green Bay Packer, and and the media won't let it go. You'll hear Bach talk about that here in a minute. 
just wild. So, again, just wanted to give that update. Wasn't happy to give that update, but I was hoping to see uh, Jair Alexander and Russell Douglas there. You know, Jerry Gray left, right? Jerry Gray being the DB coach. Um, he left and went to, I believe, Atlanta. You know, you start to see this stuff, and it's like there's a culture issue. There's a culture issue in that locker room. You know, the fact that, guys, we had our fifth DB on the depth chart was playing number one corner today in OTAs because the DB room is just MIA, right? And, and again, Stokes is there, but he's rehabbing. Um, your DB coach in Jerry Gray decides he wants to go to the Atlanta Falcons of all places. You've got the shrine of Lambeau Field. You've got, you know, everything that's great about football and the history of the Green Bay Packers, and he chooses to go to the freaking Atlanta Falcons. I don't know, man. That looks kind of. I, I hope I'm. Uh, I hope I'm digging too deep into it, you know, and, and looking into it a little bit too hard. But that that does worry me a little bit. That there might be a little bit of a culture um, issue there within the DB room. It really does. Um, really wish Jair would have been there, but again, it's voluntary, right? It is what it is. So, um, all right, let's move on to the next tweet. Um, actually, let's see here. Let's talk about Stokes's rehab real quick first. Um, you know, it was kind of mentioned in that tweet that, that Stokes was there. He was just rehabbing and, uh, coach Matt LaFleur kind of talked about it. And I thought this was kind of interesting, you know, um, simply because you haven't heard much about Stokes other than, you know, he was in a wheelchair. That was like, holy cow. He was in a wheelchair for a little bit of time. And, you know, they've been very hesitant on, on timelines and things like that. But here's uh, Matt LaFleur, just a 20-second clip. This is what the head coach said about Eric Stokes' uh, rehab. One in. How close is Eric Stokes to being back out on the field practicing? He's done, he's done a great job. I think he's made a lot of strides in, in uh, his rehab, and he's been running around. And so hopefully, you know, before the end of this, maybe he'll, he'll get in there for some individual. I don't foresee him in any team situations through, through the course of OTAs and into minicamp. All right, so you heard it there. He, you know, in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. 
And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. I don't know. I kind of came away thinking that's a good thing. You know, he's going to be he's going to be practicing pretty soon. But then, you know, wrap it up like, hey, look, we're not going to see him in any kind of team drills here in OTAs, which I don't think anybody expected that, right? I think best-case scenario, week one, and I think that's kind of a stretch. So, if anything, I think that was good news that came out of uh, that presser from Matt LaFleur. Um, I think that uh, sounds like he's coming along pretty well. Again, the comment on the last pod we did where uh, I think Coach said, we're hoping he gets a speed back, that was like, whoa. We, so we don't know if he's going to get a speed back. It was that bad of an injury. Then you heard the details, and it kind of, you know, kind of hit home. And if anything, though, about this whole cornerback room thing, right? It, it really dampens any success that Jordan Love had with the wide receivers, and it sucks because you've seen some good things. You know, you've seen Luke Musgrave kind of showing up, and I, I don't have time to obviously read all the tweets, and I don't want to waste your all's time doing that. But it sounded like Luke Musgrave had a a, a great practice. It did. Now, there was one situation or one pass where uh, it said that Jordan Love, I think he might have scrambled through over the middle. It was a wobbler, and Darnell Savage picked it off, and that was intended for Luke Musgrave. But outside of that, it sounded like Luke Musgrave is, you know, is fitting in. Like he's looking like an NFL tight end. He's definitely, it seems like he's at the forefront of everything. You haven't heard Tucker Craft hardly at all, right? It tells me that they're really, really, really giving Luke Musgrave an opportunity to lock down this job and be that tight end number one, right? Um, someone who's going to play any and all the tight end positions outside of DeGuara, you know, maybe playing a little H-back. But uh, it just bothers me that the corners aren't there because, you know, it does dampen any success that Love had with those receivers with, with you know, uh, Luke Musgrave, with Romeo Dobbs. You know, we should be coming away going, all right, Love looked good. Or, I, yeah, I, I feel comfortable saying he looked good based off the tweets i seen, right? Love looked good. Dobbs had a day, right? I think Jaden Reed, they said he burned someone, but unfortunately Love uh, overthrew him, I believe, which that's going to happen. And for those of you going, oh, here we go, Jordan Love, you know, he can't hit a bull in the butt with a mop. No, now you've got to be, you've got to go back. And and how many times did we hear about Aaron Rodgers throwing interceptions during camp, right? It happened over and over and over in training camp. This is an earlier stage in training camp. You're going to have those growing pains. And, and in all honesty, training camp and practices, OTAs, that's the time that you want to be overly aggressive to see what it is you can get away with, right? That's the time to throw interceptions. That's the time to really stretch yourself and go, can I fit that ball in there? Is it okay to look at that, to come back to the number two read on this levels play when, you know, when you're in training camp and you realize you can't do that, you're throwing picks, okay, you remove that from your mindset when you're in a game situation. These are the things that they're working on. So now is the time to see if if you can make those throws and throw those picks. But I've seen some people being negative on Twitter about Jordan Love, and it's like, man, we guys, we got to give him a chance. 
you're acting like Aaron Rodgers never threw interceptions during OTAs or, or training camp. Like, come on, let's let's be realistic here. And that's that's what I mean by being fair. Like the whole Jerry Alexander thing not being there. I'm not I'm not here to to bring up that you guys, you know, you guys being a very minute amount of uh, Packer fans out there just bashing the crap out of Rodgers for missing camp. But I'm also going to be here to go, hey, look, give Love a little slack too. Like, let's let's tone it down a bit, right? And, and again, it goes back to that Packer Net After Dark episode, man. It really bothered me. I'm like, what the heck's wrong with people? All of a sudden, everybody's just negative? Like, come on, man. We're better than that. And some of these tweets are embarrassing the hell out of me. I'm not going to lie, man. Like, as a Packer fan, I'm going, y'all, please stop. Like, other fan bases are looking at us and they're laughing right now for how people are are acting, you know, towards uh towards certain things. So again, just want to put it in context. Um, Dobbs flashed again. Luke Musgrave looked good. Jordan Love had some good moments, but we gotta we gotta really put it into context that hey, look, we're going against the fifth cornerback on the depth chart, fifth, sixth, seventh cornerback on the depth chart, and that you know you you got to mention it. Um, so. Next tweet. This came in from Andy Herman, one of my favorite follows, um, especially when it comes to OTAs and training camps. Andy's just awesome, dude. He's he's a grinder. Um, I love the uh, the work he puts in. But he said Lucas Van Ness with a gorgeous rush on Yash Nyman, legit teach tape stuff. Played the run off play action, ripped through the tackle, exploded to the quarterback. Fun stuff. Um, that's what you want to hear right there. Right now, again, it was Josh. Right. Um, but the tweet, look at the details of the tweet. Right. A gorgeous rush on Josh. Legit teach tape stuff. Played the run off play action, ripped through the tackle and exploded to the quarterback. Played the run off play action. You guys remember. We've seen that on Chalk Talk. If you guys haven't watched it, you can go to my YouTube channel. Uh, just just search Packers Total Access and you'll be able to find the YouTube channel. Um, we did a chalk talk segment on Lucas Van Ness. It was a lot of fun. And we've seen that. We've seen so many times he was good at playing the run. Like he was really good at playing the run to the quarterback, meaning you you play the run on your way with your pass rush to the quarterback. He did that very, very uh with a lot of fluidity. He really did. Um, and there was times that you know they would run a read option. I remember when I could I could literally see it in my mind right now where they run a read option off the left side. He literally engages, bounces off, sets the edge, then sheds the block and comes back inside and helps make the tackle. Um, he, he seems to play the run really, really well, and you're seeing it here now in OTAs. Now, who was he up against, right? That's what it comes down to. This is a this is against Yash. So he ripped right through Yash. Now, keep in mind. Yash's PFF grade last year for last season, the 2022 season, a 63.1 PFF grade. Not great, right? It's, you know, again, Zach Tom finished with a 68. To me, he was the much better offensive lineman. Um, and, you know, some people were ripping me over that, going, oh, there's no way that Tom's better than Yash, and Yash got more experience and blah, blah, blah. And then lo and behold, we get in that Detroit Lions game, which I always want to call a playoff game because it really had that kind of atmosphere, right? It, it felt like a playoff game. You win and you're in. They had to pull Yash and put Zach Tom in at right tackle. We forget that, right? And that which has still got me kind of scratching my head on the four million dollar tender that we put on Yash. But again, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I understand player evaluation better than Brian Gutekunst or Matt Lafleur. Um, but let's put it into perspective, though, right? Put it into context. Lucas Van Ness, great play there against Yash. 
I think he's starting caliber tackle. Obviously, he started a lot of games for the Packers last year. He could start at left tackle, right tackle, but 63.1. It's not like he's he's out there beating, you know, David Bakhtiari. And, and you know, what it reminded me of was, speaking of Bach, you guys remember David Bakhtiari's rookie year? His rookie year, I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but he was a later-round pick, right, just an absolute gem of, of a draft pick by – by the scouting department. Um, but he went up against Clay Matthews. And I remember specifically reading the camp tweets. I believe it was training camp, if I remember correctly. And this was some years ago, obviously. But Clay Matthews got so frustrated going up against David Bakhtiari, this rookie left tackle, and he could not budge him. He could not get around him that Clay slung his helmet, if I remember correctly. You know, he, he showed some kind of frustration that got tweeted out by the media members. And it was like, man, Clay's really struggling. But what they didn't know at the time was this late-round pick was going to go on to be one of, if not the best left tackles in the game during his prime, right? So when you see, when you hear Lucas Van Ness stuff like this, I can't wait for training camp because what I want to see is him go up against Bach. It's, it's amazing how we come full circle, right? And it's the beautiful thing about pro football, um, and especially being a Packer fan, is, you know, here you had Bach kind of established himself in that first training camp going up against Clay Matthews. Wouldn't it be something if – and it wasn't that Clay Matthews was bad. I, I personally thought Clay played pretty well up until his last year but uh, and did some things very unselfishly like moving the inside linebacker and doing whatever they could to try to plug some of those, uh, you know, horrible holes that they had in the defense around that time. But, um, you know, box stepping up against a team leader, a team captain in Clay Matthews and saying, hey, this is who I am, right? and I'm worthy of a roster spot, I'm worthy of a starting position, and now you've got a chance for Lucas Van Ness to go up against that same guy. The roles are reversed, not that box on the decline, but Lucas Van Ness having an opportunity to make a name for himself. That's one thing I want to see this camp. I want to see the reps tweeted out during training camp, Lucas Van Ness versus David Bakhtiari. I think that will be a lot of fun. So uh, sounds like good things coming out of camp for Lucas Van Ness and Luke Musgrave, and you guys know how I feel about Jaden Reed. It's sounding like those first three picks, those top three picks, um, really solid draft picks by Brian Gutekunst. So that's uh, that's exciting news for sure. Um, next tweet. This is pretty simple, but I thought it was cool. John Coon, you guys know John Coon, former fullback for the Green Bay Packers. Awesome podcast. When they're talking football, he's excellent. I can't stand when they talk about basketball and hockey. and yeah, It just uh, it drives me crazy. It's like you got a guy who played – you know, whatever it was, 10 years in the league, however long he played in the league, at one of the toughest positions to play. And you put him on a sports talk show and talk about basketball. It makes no sense to me. But anyway, John Kuhn on Twitter, at j 30 said, number one observation from Packers OTA today, this team is bigger, faster, and younger than I have ever seen it. I'm going to read it again. Number one observation from Packers OTA today, this team is bigger, faster, and younger than I have ever seen it. All right. If that don't get you fired up, then your wood's wet. Like that, absolutely. I was just like, John Coon said that. All right. Now, obviously, we probably got some young listeners that are like, well, who the heck's Coon and why should I listen to him? Right. Yeah. I'm sure you know who John Coon is, but you got to understand, we're talking about a very young team. Right. And him referring to him being bigger, faster, and younger than I have ever seen, ever seen, ever seen. Right. He signed with Pittsburgh as an undrafted free agent out of Shippingsburg, right? And then he signed with the Green Bay Packers in 2007. Why do I mention that? Guys, 
he's seen the young Super Bowl team come to fruition. And a lot of people forget that, that when they won the Super Bowl, they were one of the youngest teams in the league. Yes, they had Charles Woodson. Yes, they made a few, uh, you know, key free agent acquisitions, uh, you know, a couple years prior with Ryan Pickett and, and uh, you know, I remember Brandon Chiller, obviously Charles Woodson. You had some of those signings, right? But they were one of, if not the youngest team in the entire league. They were right there in the top five of being the youngest. So he's seen that. He was on that team in 2010. He came on 2007. So for him to say that this is a younger, faster, bigger, you know, stronger team than he's ever seen in Green Bay, man, I don't take that with a grain of salt. And some people are going, oh, Coon's just a homer. No, Coon's been pretty outspoken about certain things that a lot of people haven't, you know, specifically the Aaron Rodgers situation. John Coon and Aaron Rodgers are good friends, right? And he would defend Aaron Rodgers a lot. So he's not one of these people that's just dug in on his side like most of these idiot media members are. They've got their one side, and it don't matter what happens, I'm going to tote that line, hell or high water, right? He's a very fair commentator when it comes to talking about the Green Bay Packers, and he has a lot of access as well. He does a lot of preseason coverage and stuff like that. Um, that got me pretty excited. The first thing that came to mind was that Lucas Van Ness tweet, right, about him running through Yash. Luke, Luke Musgrave showing flashes, making plays, right? Seen one play of Luke Musgrave making a catch behind. He had to spin and rotate the other way. And, of course, immediately the knuckleheads on Twitter <laughs> said, what a horrible pass by Jordan Love. And it's like, a moron, that wasn't Jordan Love. He's standing back. Remember, Jordan Love wears number 10. He didn't throw that pass, you idiot. Golly, it blows my mind how how quick people are to prove their ignorance. It's like, I don't know, anyway, so – that got me excited, but it made me think of Luke Musgrave. It made me think of Lucas Van Ness, um, that he's, he's seeing that, man, this team, yes, they're raw, yes, they're young, but they have got a ton of physical talent and ability, you know, bigger, faster, younger than I've ever seen it. That that got me pretty fired up, I ain't going to lie. So um, good stuff there coming out of OTAs with Kuhn. Now let's do this. Let's go and listen to David Bakhtiari. He actually met with the media. We're going to hear from him for a minute, and then um, we'll get this puppy wrapped up for you guys. But let's hear let's hear what Bach had to say here. What I'm going to do is I'm going to play one clip specifically, and then we might roll through just to kill a few more minutes here before we wrap the pot up um, because it's about a 10-minute interview, and there may be stuff in there. I don't want to bore you guys with it, but I think it's important to hear from Bach because this is a guy who's going to be a team captain. This is a guy who's been there longer, you know, just as long, if not longer than any. Maybe he probably is the longest tenured uh, player on this roster, I would imagine. I believe he came in before Aaron Jones. I'm almost positive. But uh, just uh, someone who's going to be a team leader. And I know a lot of people have liked to bash him because him and Aaron are still friends. But um, let's uh, as if he was going to stop being friends with someone because they play for another team. It blows my mind out. People, people's mind fires in a, in a much different way, but let's hear what Bach had to say here. Is it a little strange for you without your best friend Aaron being here? No, no, I, I miss him, but I mean, he hasn't been here like one or two off seasons and I was here too for the same thing. So, um, I wouldn't say too different, uh, from that front because we already kind of somewhat experienced it, but yeah, I mean, go to, he's my homie. So of course, but I mean, I'm happy for him. He seems happy. And that's the nature of the business. And I'm excited you guys got something to write about. I know Bob's been over here and just yearning for this day. Like you, you can hide back all you want. You've been yearning for it. Not really. Oh. Why later. All right. I can't wait to hear this. 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. So he said, y'all been waiting for this, especially Bob over here. Called him out by name. Like, y'all, and it's true. It's so true. Like, last year, you, you could tell the back-to-back -back MVP shut a lot of people up. And they were just waiting for one year, one one down year, so they could just annihilate Aaron, right? And and here he is now. He obviously gets traded. And uh, it just cracked me up that Bach, <laughs> Bach, Bach just called him out, called it like it is. Yeah, I've been waiting for this, ain't you? Right? And I know people are going to get mad. They're like, oh, Carter, trade him. You got to trade Bach. Cracks me up. They, It's been set all off season. They didn't like the way he was poking fun at the media team, just literally calling a guy on a first-name basis. I don't know, dude. <laughs> it just it, – I get blown away at how, how serious people take it and how upset they get. And then you got the people that are actually involved laughing about it, right? But uh, – it is fun to, to watch some of the media members take it on the chin every now and then because, like he said, y'all been waiting for this, right? Yeah, what's up? <laughs> you ever had this much carryover on the line in your time here? What do you think of just the, the group of guys you have come forward? Yeah, uh, we did in 2014, I believe. Uh, in between the 2013 and 2015 stretch, uh, we did. And uh, it's good. It's great. You got a, a bunch of guys, uh, not, not too many new faces. So we can really uh, kind of get going a little more complex stuff and really uh, start establishing ourselves early. Um, I think we that's something that's going to be big for us this year, uh, setting up as an entire unit. And each one's got to fill their role and, we're, and pick up where we need to pick up. Where's the golf cart? It's a great question. I honestly can't tell you. I have not seen it. I'm hoping it's going to make its way to New York. And I told Aaron that he should be asking for it, but I have not seen it, and I can't tell you where it is. But like I said um, on Twitter that in the divorce papers, Aaron, unfortunately, won legally, so he's allowed to have the cart, so I will miss it. And it <laughs> I love it. So they're obviously talking about the golf cart that, that bought, bought him, right? And uh, you guys, if you follow me on Twitter or seen on the uh, Packernet Facebook page, when I was up in Green Bay for the uh, the Rams game, I spent the week up there. Uh, I was very blessed, fortunate to get a, a private tour of Lambeau Field with one of the best tour guides I've ever met. And it, and it was just literally me, Mandy, him, and his, uh, his uh, colleague. And we got to go all over Lambeau Field, places I've never seen before, which is really cool. It wasn't your normal tour of the stadium. And uh, we were downstairs uh, seeing head coach Matt LaFleur walk by. Um, you know, of course, my, my wife, Mandy, gets the googly eyes like every woman does when LaFleur walks by. Right? And I'm over going, uh, maybe I should oh, maybe I should blindside him right now, show her what I meant. No, I'm <laughs> joking. I was googly eyes, too. I was like, oh, crap, there goes the head coach. But anyway, um, they had a, a media session right there, and we were right outside of it. So you had – uh, coaches, players, you know, coming and going, which is really cool. And they're set the golf cart, right? The I think it's I think it's an Aston Martin golf cart. I can't remember. Anyway, the one they bought. That's what Box referring to there. Um, just you know that in the divorce papers, Aaron won the golf cart. It cracked me up. It should hopefully make it to New York. If not, maybe his um, his pad in the in the boot. Does the passenger have to be former Packer? I don't care at all. <laughs> I got him for him as a gift, so the painting was a gift, Todd. <laughs> I love it. The painting was a gift, a gift, Todd. If you guys ever seen wagon, uh, wagon crashers, oh, that's hilarious. The painting was a gift, Todd. I'm gonna keep it. 
Remember, I believe you said he called it celebration. Right? It's sexual and violent. <laughs> if you haven't seen Wedding Crashers, stop what you're doing right now and go watch Wedding Crashers. One of the one of my you know one of the best movies of all time uh, as far as comedy goes. So uh, big Vince Vaughn fan. Love his his uh, sense of humor, his dry sense of humor, his sarcasm. Dude is freaking awesome. So we're gonna end it there. The reason I want to play the Bach tape. Um, the box clip, I should say, tape. Well, I'll keep dating myself, right? Um, is because you can tell he's not there to stir up, to stir up trouble, right? And there was a lot of people a couple weeks ago painting this picture. Like, oh, we just need to get him out of town. He don't care. He's he obviously still wants to play with Aaron and blah blah blah. This dude is upbeat. He's happy to be a Packer. Um, and yeah. I'm excited to have him as left tackle. I know this. Jordan Love needs David Bakhtiari protecting his blind side. And and those people that were screaming we should just get rid of him, I, I was just sitting there shaking my head like, what are we talking about here? So you just – you're going to – not only are you going to send Jordan Love out there with a very young receiving core, and we're talking about how young and raw this team is, and there's going to be growing pains, and I think every realistic Packer fan expects that. Right, where you can kind of see, and, and you know what? If we come out and they fire on all cylinders and they win 11, 12 games, that's freaking awesome. But to go in with these expectations, like, okay, you could just trade away arguably the best left tackle in the game, and Jordan Love will be just fine. You're setting Jordan up for failure, and that's not cool, man. Like, you know, you don't you don't throw the the baby out with the bathwater, right? Like, you got you've got to give him every opportunity to succeed. And, and again, we understand this is a growing year. This is a year that not many people, if any, are expecting them to make the playoffs. So you've got an opportunity to go out there and prove people wrong and do exactly what Aaron Jones talked about, which is basically, you know, I, I can't remember the exact quote, but he's saying, you know, there's no better feeling than for people to doubt you and you go out there and prove them wrong. Right. You've got that opportunity, but at the same time, man, let's, let's don't, Let's don't get our feelings all into the, the personnel department, not that the Packers would, but just as fans that let's just trade away some of our strongest pieces just to prove a point because he's still friends with Aaron Rodgers. It's just crazy to me, you know. And, again, it was embarrassing to see how people acted when Favre left. Um, and then when he came back, it was just, oh, everything's fine again. Now, Favre was a whole different level of petty, right, obviously wanting to play for the Vikings and stick it to the Packers. Um, but – uh yeah, I mean, it's just Aaron's going to come back. They're going to retire his number, and there's going to be a lot of people that look like idiots because of the way they acted on his way out. Just let him go, man. He's a jet, right? Doesn't mean we can't talk about him. There's going to be good conversations still had about him, and there's always going to be disagreements. But let's just try to try to represent our fan base a little bit better, you know, on Twitter. And I know everybody hearing my voice does. It's just let's, let's be the cooler heads, right? Let's let Packernet – the Packernet podcast family, the Packernet uh, fan base. Let's let us be the the ones that when when they hear us talk, they go, they must be with Packernet because they've got an even kill approach and they're looking at it from a reasonable standpoint of what's best for the team. And let's don't go out there and embarrass ourselves just screaming on you know pure emotion. Um, I'll say this as we get ready to wrap up. I'm excited about the draft in 2025. Um, I'm trying not to talk about it too much because it is a long, long, long ways away. But I love the ideas that people are throwing around on Packernet After Dark. I love what Ryan was saying about possibly having a T-shirt. Um, what I think will be a really cool idea, and it would help you know Ryan's network as well, is if he can find somebody to make Packernet jerseys. Now hear me out here. It ain't got to be nothing crazy. A T-shirt, right? 
that says Packer in it on the front. It needs to be a color like Ryan said, where you can identify people from a crowd. So maybe a, a bright fluorescent color would be ideal, right? But have Packernet podcast across the front and then have everybody's name on the back. That would be kind of cool, right? You know what I'm talking about. Those are cheap jerseys. If you grew up like I grew up, I never had a real jersey. You kidding me? We didn't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. How are we going to buy a real jersey? So you had the T-shirt jerseys made, baby. We took it down to a place called Ken's – what was it? Ken's Airwear, I think's what it was called. And this guy named Ken back home would airbrush, you know, T-shirts for dirt cheap. They looked horrible. You can't even was airbrushed. It wasn't even like a normal jersey. And I'm not suggesting we should airbrush, all right? But, it, you know, a custom jersey, um, you know, if I wanted a jersey, I wanted a Frank Thomas jersey. I was a White Sox fan when I was a kid, right? A big Frank Thomas fan. Um, so he gave me a, made me a white shirt, put white socks on the front and wrote Thomas on the back, which just so happens to be my middle name too. And the number 35, I thought I was something boy. Cause again, we were po. <laughs> I wasn't buying no Jersey, but I think that would be a good idea for the draft. Packernet jerseys. We've got a couple years to kind of get ready for it. I don't know how expensive they would be. Ryan would need to run those numbers. I, I think I'm going to message him and ask him about that and say, Hey man, what do you think about having Packernet jerseys. Also like the button thing too, because, you know, that way uh, that's something that's a little more affordable for people and that type of thing. I didn't like the blue sweatpant idea. That was, I'm glad he summed it up with that would be kind of creepy or whatever it was he said. Cause yeah, I, some somebody's listening to my voice right now and they're wearing blue sweatpants going, what the heck's that mean, Clayton? You know what it means, bro. Blue sweatpants are creepy. Blue sweatpants, type of pants that are worn by people that, that drive around and a minivan with free candy written on the side, right? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So, anyway, we're going to get out of here. Um, again, I just want to do something a little different. We had OTAs. Wanted to hit on some of those points. Um, you know, Zach Tom at right tackle, kind of hoping that if he if he's not competing for guard or for center, he would be starting at right tackle over Yash. That's just me personally. Dobbs showing some flashes. Jordan Love, you know, uh, having, a, having a decent performance there. Luke Musgrave showing a little bit of flash. Lucas Van Ness really looked good. Um, Yash sound like he had kind of a bad day. And then John Coon just talking about how excited he is because, you know, this is, like you said, bigger, faster, younger team than he's ever seen in Green Bay. Hey, let's go out and shock the freaking world, man. Um, two, two things I want to hashtag this year, underdogs and young guns. That's, that's the two right there. And maybe that's a t-shirt idea. Young Guns with Jordan Love on the front or something. That would be awesome. So, anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Appreciate you guys making us a part of your day here as you're out on the grind on Thursday afternoon. Um, we're going to get back. Probably going to go live on Saturday night on YouTube and Twitter, and we'll put it in podcast form. I'm going to try to do most, if not every Saturday night, have a guest and go Packers Total Access Live on YouTube and Twitter, and then put it in podcast form for you guys. We've gotten excellent feedback from that. I want to thank everybody for the feedback for Chalk Talk. You guys – have, you know, that's something that, you know, I, I am very, I get very nervous talking to people and I don't like to be on camera, especially that's why when I do the chalk talk segments, if I don't have a guest, I want my ugly mug off the freaking screen, but I was very, very cautious at doing chalk talks. Uh, and then last year I kind of dove right in and, and it's gotten more feedback for me personally than, than any other thing I've done. And I just want to thank you guys for the encouragement. It means the world to me. And uh, that's why we're going to keep doing it and, and churn more of those out. And I'm going to do my very best to make it um, make it a little easier to listen to in podcast form where you can understand exactly what I'm talking about. Hopefully with the Chalk Talk segment with Jaden Reed, part one, we're going to be doing part two here in the next couple of days. Hopefully um, 
I'm giving enough of a description at the end that you understand, okay, here's what he does well, because that's what I'm learning watching the tape. You know, it's not about how will he perform in the NFL. <clears throat> it's about two things for me. What did he do really well, right? What are his strengths? And how was he deployed within an offense, right? Those are the two things. Now, you're hearing people say, are they going to play him at slot? Are they going to play him at slot? I think them playing him at slot in OTAs, they're trying to find out if he can play slot because that's a huge misconception because he didn't play a whole lot of slot in college. As you guys know, we're going through chalk talk, played a lot of Z, played a lot of X. They like to play him outside on the boundary. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll kind of see if they try to work him into the slot, but I think that that's something that's uh, – yeah – they're going to kind of stick to that boundary, but they're going to they're going to stress him. They're going to see, hey, what can he handle? Multiple positions, how much of the playbook he can handle at one time. But again, just want to thank y'all for that, for encouraging me on Chalk Talk because we've gotten a ton of feedback. The YouTube channel is blowing up. You guys, go give us a follow if you're hearing my voice. If you if you got YouTube, um, just just search Packers Total Access on YouTube and subscribe to the channel that helps us out there a lot. So we're going to get out of here. Appreciate everybody's time. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pack Go. Sort of protective tape or wrap on that thumb next time we see Rodgers. Third and goal. Prescott stands in, delivers. It is intercepted in the end zone. Rudy Ford has a convoy. Rudy Ford with a huge play for Green Bay. Interception as a Packer, and it comes in the end zone at a big time.